podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast with MyDieselClaim.com Paul Hayward here. There's no Glenn Murray this week, but I know how much he would have enjoyed this conversation with one of the most gifted players of his generation. Joe Cole tells us why Lewis Dunk is good enough to start for England at Euro 2024, how Jude Bellingham could become the best player the country has ever produced, and which club he would like his son to join. Joe, just tell us why you're at Brighton's training ground. I'm very fortunate enough through TNT, we're going to come, we're going to interview the manager, interviews a few of the players, whoever we can, we can, and just get, you know, there's something very special that's happened at this club, happened and happening. And I think it's just, you know, just trying to break down a few of the different aspects of, of, of how the club's been so successful, whether it be the recruitment of the players, recruitment of the manager, the style of play, the coaching. Um, we might even delve into the business model of, of what it is. But it's such an interest, not just for, for English English fans. I think global fans have seen what's happened at Brighton. And I think everyone just wants to, I think the whole world's hungry to know what, what the secrets are. So hopefully find a few out today. Yeah, because whenever you listen to a, a top player, there's a f- looking at Brighton, there's a fascination there, isn't it? You're all trying to work yeah. out how it's done. Yeah, I mean, like you, first of all, you've got the tactical thing that, that the manager does. You know, it's very rare in football where, you know, you could do hundreds of games and I've, since I've come into the media, I've, I've covered hundreds of games, you analyse and, and a lot of it is very, is the same. So when something comes along that's a little bit different, it's like, wow. And then and you, you're you trying to break it down. So I want to ask the manager the why, you know, why does he allow his centre-arse to stand on the ball and wait? Because we was always taught Growing up, you know, you get it. If you're a centre-half or a holding midfielder and the less time you take because of the rhythm of the game, you know, you you move it on quickly. You can, you can take, they used to say, if you can take half a touch, you take it and get it going like certain positions. If the commentator don't say your name, you, you have a good game because you're moving it quicker, giving more time on the ball. So so, so watch the way that the build-up set up and, and Lewis Dunk... Um, or Webster might be just standing there trying to suck a player in because, you know, to, and to pop it in and pop it around him. So, you know, trying to find out the why behind the, the great football that, that we're seeing. Yeah, and I'm guessing you'd have loved to play on this side because yeah. because you'd be guaranteed pattern of play and you'd yeah. be guaranteed good ball, wouldn't you? Yeah, oh God, yeah. if my son was a young footballer now and a, t- a technically gifted young footballer, and he is, but he's very, very young. But he got to the point he got to the choice of what club I'd say, come, I'd say come to Brighton, you know, because they're giving young players the chance, playing football the right way, you know. And by that, I mean, you know, football needs to be exciting, aggressive, you know, but, but the technical brilliance of the players, and we've got so many technically brilliant players in this country, foreign and our own homegrown players now, you know, allowing them to express themselves, and I would have, I would have loved to have played in this era. Um, you know, even more so than my era, because it, it was just it would it would have suited my game even more. You know, I wasn't blessed physically. Uh, I wasn't. You know, I had to really fight from my corner and the pitch all the time to get one. But you, 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 you're sort of my attributes would be more sought after within the system. I think. Um, so yeah, I would have loved to play. Yeah, I was thinking about your position and so on because I've, I always thought of you as a number ten, even though you yeah. didn't always play there. In a team like this, is that where you'd be happiest? Do you think 
Where would you fit well, in fit, in this? Yeah, you know, I'd probably fit in. I mean, I coached Billy Gilmore at Chelsea a while. So, you know, I might even be in that sort of deeper role where you're sort of, your job is as a midfielder is to handle the ball, get on lots of touches of the ball and, and, and drop and, you know, I'm to, I played for 20 years, so I was very different in different stages of my career. So I would have probably be where Billy or an Adam Lallana in that position, who's very probably a similar player to me as well. You know, we can get on the half term and thread it through, and then you're feeding sort of your Mitoma and that type of wingers. You know, or but at times in my career, I played wide, didn't I? And I was my my I was trying to run in behind. Mitoma's movement is outstanding, and he's, he's dribbling. So I think maybe at some point in my career I might have been to Solly March or Mitoma, and then maybe at some point I could have done that role. But um, this like that's the thing. There's so many positions for me to play in this team because the setup so so fluid. But um, yeah, it's always could do we get me boots on today and see, see if I could get five minutes. I'm sure that can be arranged, and I hope the recruitment department's yeah. listening to you <laughs> saying you'd like your son to come here because I'm sure that's possible. Um, I, I, when you walk into these training grounds now, they're like universities, aren't they? They're, 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 they're kind of luxury destinations. Yeah. I wonder what it was like walking into Chadwell Heath when you made your name as a young West Ham player Chad- compared to this. You know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, um, you know, we, we, you romantically for look back at them times because football was a lot, a lot more quainter, a lot more simpler, a lot more, and, and you can romanticise it, you know. But Chadwell Heath was, you know, as much as I love it. I absolutely love. I wouldn't change a thing, but it was a, it was falling to bits. There was like, there was there was a room about a quarter of the size of this, which was the weights room, which had literally, had a, I'd never see anyone go in there. There was dust, and it was like just weights, a bench press, and somewhere you could do sit ups. You know, you walked in, and it was vibrant. You know, they're great characters, but it was not none of this. There wasn't the amount of people that it takes to run this big business and this big operation now. And it was, you know, a lot of it was done on instincts and wisdom and, um, and good people. And then we think, you know, West Ham at that point, where I come through, created, created some of the, the best players of, of our generation. Rio Ferdinand, Fred Lampard, Michael Carrick, Jermaine Defoe, Glenn Johnson, you know, and it, it was very simple, very, very organic. But this is, this is a structured, this is a structured business, you know, and, and, and obviously the fans will bring the colour and bring the, and 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 keep it, you know, alive. F- f- football is always about passionate, but the way that Brighton do it is is, lo- and a lot of other clubs, so professional and so diligent in everything they do. The club's now got a reputation for you know developing young talent, really good young players coming through here, yeah. and nobody had more expectation on them than you as a sixteen or seventeen year old. You know, people were raving about you from a very young age, and you had to manage that. I mean, what what advice would you give? to the young players here or anywhere on how to manage that early expectation and pressure? Um, again, very different situations, you know, like my expectation was really, really unusual. I was the only one who had it because of, it was a pre-internet age and I don't know why it happened. I couldn't tell you um, why I got so much exposure before I'd even made the first team. It was a different environment, different media environment but nowadays, I think there's support staff behind the young players, you know, the psychological stuff, you know, they, they, they know what to expect. You know, I didn't know what to expect. Everything was on the fly. And that was the situation. There was no one there who could help me to explain what, you know, what was going on. It was just, that was it. And you dealt with it. And that was very much 
the, t- the time. But I think nowadays my advice to the young players who is that, that they is to to use all the resources you've got around them. Use the nutritionists, use the sports scientists, use the you know the the, the sports psychologists. All of these things that you've got available for you. Use them. Don't have to take everything from them. You might, you know, you should obviously keep some agency in yourself. You know, if you don't like something, you know, be strong and, and have an opinion and do your research. But they got a team behind them now, these young players, which, um, you know, which I, I would have liked. We all, we all would like things we know as, a, as older men to take to tell ourselves as a younger man, which wasn't there. We didn't have the information, but I would say to use all of everything at your resources because you... Uh, you've got most most stones have been turned over and, and the information's there. Yeah, because when people were calling you the the new Gazer, I mean, you had mm. your manager, your agent, and the press officer at West Ham, and yeah. that was probably and your family, of course. Yeah, yeah. well, my manager and agent were family, <laughs> and the press. I don't even do you know what I don't even remember a press officer at West Ham. It was a case of I'd walk into West Ham, and Harry Harry Redknapp or Frank, one of the mates, one of your colleagues, would be be from one of the papers and go, you're going to speak to so-and-so there and you guys wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be cornered off with some specific room with all you wonderful people behind the cameras. It'll be, you'd be sitting there having a cup of tea. I'd finish training and I've been told to go and have a chat with you and there'll be you and there'll be no one there with me and I'd be 16 or 17, 18 with a grown man talking about football and I, I did stumble and I did, tri- and there was some headlines. So I, I didn't say that, mm-hmm. you know, and things were taken out of context. So I learned on the job doing that. I was just a footballer. I just wanted to play. But actually back end of my career, I've gone into the media and it's all them sort of lessons probably helped me in my second career working in the media without, I was training without knowing it. I was just, just having a chat in the canteen, having a cup of tea with journalists. And that's how it was. I've got to say, I miss those days, Jeff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's a lot easier. Simpler yeah. times, yeah, weren't they? You yeah. know? <laughs> I know you've got a very close eye on on the England team as well. And and people here are very interested in Lewis Dunk arriving in the England setup. Um, belatedly, a lot of Albion yeah. fans would feel, but he's, he looks like he's going to get a run now. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you see him as a you know, a permanent fixture in, in Gareth Southgate's squad. Yeah, do you, know, do you know what? I've always been a big fan of Lewis Dunk. I watched him play when, when Brighton were in a championship back end of my career. And he, so he's been here such a long time. And I was impressed with him. I thought he was a real talented on the ball, but I thought he had a, he had a real instinct for defending. And um, I thought I'd be one, one to keep an eye on. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I was concerned... Before, this was before he played in the Premier League. I thought, well, how's he going to cope with the speed of the game? Because very much like John Terry, you know, people would say, was he quick enough? John Terry never got never got beat. So then you've seen him develop and develop over the years. And I was always, I, I was baffled why he wasn't given a chance. Um, covered the game in Scotland when he played. And I thought he was outstanding in that game and looked like, looked at home. In an England shirt, and yeah, I mean, I thought he was—he was unlucky not to get the start against Australia. Was it? I think it was Australia. It was Mark Gurhey, the manager went with, but he's in the mix now, isn't he? He's got like you got Harry Maguire, John Stones, probably Gurhey, and Dunk. Yeah, at the four centre halves. But I think he's—he's a, he's a terrific player, and he's the only—the only, the only sad thing is that he's, he's come later in his career. This could have been five years ago and he could have earned... But he's, listen, he's, the main thing is he's there now and he's in the running. And 
for, I've had no problems with him starting the first game of the tournament. I, I'm really comfortable with him as a centre-half for England. Interesting, yeah, because mm. of course one thing we know about playing for England is you need you need strong characters mm. in there as well. I mean, the, the technical ability is one thing, but you need mm. you need people like him, don't you? Absolutely, absolutely, and and the fact he's a captain and he's been consistent, and and he and he's already shown he stepped into the to the fire. England Scotland's a big game. I know it was a friendly, but it's a big game. You know, you don't and playing for England is different. I've seen so many great players. And I could tell you after three or four games, they'll never be able to play for England because the, the, the mentality is different. You know, maybe slightly different in this era, era because because the the, the media scrutiny is not as vitriolic as like you, you know. It was yeah. if you played badly for England, you got it. You know, and you got and you, you know it was it was you know you'd be booed by the crowd. You know, I've, I've heard some great legends of the games, and I, you list them. Ashley Cole booed by the crowd Frank Lampard booed by the crowd now these these guys are generational talents so it was difficult you had to have a mentality to play for England I think there's a lot more it's a lot nicer now for the lads and that's good that's good for society in general and, and it helps the player develop but, um, but there's still that element where I think you need to have a little bit of something in you and I think Lewis Dunk's definitely got that. That's why I said I'd have no trouble with him, you know, big game, being nervous, not wanting to get on the ball. I think he's got the, the character for it. He'll be glad to hear that. And yeah. When was your when was your best spell in an England shirt? Do you think? When did you feel most comfortable playing for England? 2004 to 2008, I'd say, sort of after the Euros. I mean, that was when I played regularly um, on the left of the four. You know, when you think about now, there was so much furore about, right footer playing on the left for England for so long and it's just it just seems absurd now with the, and the landscape the tactical landscape of the game um, but yeah I mean so I was competing with a lot of players to, for that position because you had like Beckham, Lampard, Gerrard picked itself and there was one space left on the and then everyone else who threw through that era you know right away from God Alan, <laughs> Alan Thompson Steve McManaman Emileski played there, Kieran Dyer, uh, Jermaine Jenness, you know, lots of us really had to go, but I had to, that was the time I, I nailed it down and I enjoyed my time. Yeah. 2004, we all think of that as the one that got away, yeah. don't we? I agree. Do you? Because we still had Scalzi, didn't we? Mm. Rooney was this marauding, you know, if you probably, again, like, so I feel for Gareth because, you know, it's tournament football. It's knockout football. 2004, Rooney gets injured against Portugal. Well, I'm pretty sure we win that game. Mm. 2006, Rooney don't get sent off against Portugal. I'm pretty sure we win that game. You know, there's lots of lots of things that can happen, little moments. And that, we're talking about character. Mm. That's why you've got to really pick players who you know you can trust, especially like, you know, the, the Beckham thing that's come out in 98. You know, Be Beckham, great player. He'd tell you himself, he made a mistake. We got knocked out of the tournament, you know. You have to have the you have to have the mindset. If a player's getting kicked, is he gonna lash out, throw an elbow, get yourself sent off? Hmm. You know, are you gonna get a player to be able to to have that mentality where they're they're ready to fight enough fire in their belly, but at ice when they're playing against the South American team and they you know, there is something said or it is a, an elbow point, they're not gonna react. Hmm. All of these little things that you've got to consider as well as the tactical element of it, the mentality of the players. 
And I think that's the only thing that can stop this England team, you know, from winning the tournament mm. is in moment. If they can keep their composure mm. and they've got the perfect manager to do that because he, he's so composed. I think I look at the England team now and they're just... They, they're playing. They're now playing in the image of of Gareth Southgate. This sort of professional, composed, like a club side machine. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. the only thing that can stop us from winning this tournament is a moment. Mm. And, um, they, we got a great side. The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. Check if you are eligible for significant compensation for free at mydieselclaim.com. Just finally on England, I've got to ask you about this because as a gifted player yourself, uh, I, I bet you're looking at Jude Bellingham and thinking, mm. is there anything he can't do, that guy? First of all, like, I don't want to put any more pressure on Jude. Like, normally he might have been going, but just, 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 he doesn't need an extra person telling him how great he is because, but, but he's like a machine. Like we spoke, we spoke to him, I spoke to him a few times after games and, um, so comfortable mm. speaking, so comfortable, but it's not false. That's just him. So I don't feel like me me saying anything will make any difference on him and what he does. He's so concentrated and focused on being a great player. So I'm going to say, I don't think we've had a, a more talented footballer ever. And I, I look at him and I think, I, I said on, on telly the other night, I said, he's like he's been made in a lab. You know, he's been made in a lab. There's no, there's no... There's nothing in his game which you would want to you'd want to go can improve a little bit on that. What, what, he's doing everything right in every aspect of his game. So um, he's just got to keep going. And the even more impressive thing from from him, what I saw the other night, which is which blew my mind when the England Italy game we went one nil down, and when you're playing in the game of that magnitude and. You know England were playing well. The players knew they were playing well. The manager knows he's playing well. The crowd know they're playing well. Italy score on a break. And Italy were actually doing their job well. And then few oh, there was a 10-minute spell. Passes was going to right. Italy started getting a bit more of a foothold into the game. And you, the fans, you could sense the feeling in the stadium was, oh, we're going to lose this. or you know. And Jude took it on himself, the wisdom to just like smash into a couple of tackles, make a couple of high presses and it was getting the crowd going and then that brought the crowd back into the game. Like, and to have that, first of all, to have that like, that awareness at that young age about about the sense of that. I mean, I don't know where that comes from. I said that to him, I don't know, like 30-year-olds, experienced players are supposed to feel that energy in the game, but for him to do that at that age. 20. Incredible. So you might say to Young players here, for example, I mean, they might not be Jude Bellingham, but maybe everybody, every young player could learn from his confidence and his self-assurance yeah. and his and his um, professionalism. Yeah, on I mean, the pitch. yeah, I mean, I said to you know, I say to to my to my son who, who plays football, you know, he wants to be a footballer. I said can, can, the things that football young footballers don't realise that they can control their body language, for instance, that you know. The things you can control, your body language, what are you put, putting out there to your team? You know, how do you talk to your teammates, you know, and encourage them? Like, tell them, be, be like, no one's not doing it. Like, come on, get the ball, do it properly, you know, but say in a way, come on, we can, you know, that you're bringing them with you. And he, um, I think the young players can look at Jude. Listen, not everyone can be Jude Bellingham, six foot two, feet like Zidane, can run 
all day like Vieira, you know, but you can you can mimic his body language and his scent and things like that. And if you do that consistently, it becomes a habit, you know, then it'll help you with all the other aspects. Everything else in your game will improve. And that's the thing you can control. So young players, I would say, don't kill yourself trying to become Jude Bellingham because he's something he's born like that. You know what I mean? But mm. you can, you know, plug into that mindset. Talking of stepping up, Joe, there's, a, there's been a channel from this club, Brighton, to Chelsea recently. Um, Mark Cucurella's gone there. Um, mm. Colwell was here on loan, but he was always probably going to go back to Chelsea. Now, um, Caicedo, Moises Caicedo's arrived at Chelsea in very different, different circumstances to the way you arrived. For example, you yeah. arrived as a star and there was a limited number of players, but he's walked into a huge, you know, armada of talent. Um, do you think he will settle in there? Do you think he'll establish himself? Yeah, I do. He's played He's played well the last few weeks. You know, he, again, they, they, this club are very considerate of the players they bring in to play in a role and it, everything seems to be measured. At the, at the moment at Chelsea, because of the changing of the ownership, everything's changing. So players are coming in and it's probably not as seamless as signing for Brighton. So you couple that with, with the fact that he's now a big star, you know, he's big fee, so he's got pressure, the ex expectant crowd. So, you know, it's difficult for him at times, but he's playing well, he's getting better. I think he's, I've liked, I loved him when he was here. I think he, he is a top player. I think he's going to be a massive player for Chelsea. And Cucurella as well, you know, I must say, he's, he's, he's played the last three or four games and done very, very well. I know he was highly thought of here. And what I like about him is he's, He's, he's an old school defender. He wants to defend. You can see that. I thought he was brilliant against Saka the other night at times. Probably the hardest job in the Premier League at the moment, marking Saka as a fullback. So he's done well. So, um, but I know that, you know, well, Brighton and Chelsea have done a lot of business. Brighton have got a lot of, a lot of money out of Chelsea, haven't they, the last, and it hasn't affected the quality of their ship. So, you know, fantastic business model from Brighton. And finally, uh, I, I know that you, you're building a, a good, strong media career, but when I listen to you, I still hear a coach and a mentor. So yeah. what about that side of your life? I'd love to. I'd love to. Um, again, it's just a balance. It's the work-life balance. Back into my career, I, I was assistant manager at my last club, the Rowdies, which I loved and learned so much. You know, I finished my coaching badges. I did I did a year at Chelsea. Then the media, the COVID stuff happened. The media sort of stuff picked up. I love analysing games and I love what I do, but it will, you know, the right opportunity will will come in at the right time. You know, I'm not silly to think I could be a better coach than someone who's coached for 10, 15, 20 years, but working alongside someone like that, you know, helping young players, I'd love to do it because, you know, not just because of selfish reasons, but I'd like to, I feel, I'd, I'd like the challenge of trying to make, help players get better you know what I mean so it will suck me back in at some point but then it's the work-life balance so it'll have to be the right the right opportunity I think a lot of people will hope hope you do get sucked back in so Joe Cole it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for joining us pleasure always thanks for listening this podcast is on a roll in the back catalogue we've had current players and coaches internationals a boxer and a superstar DJ and we have plenty more big names lined up. To keep the numbers high, please rate us, review us, and tell your friends. The official Brighton & Hove Albion podcast. 
Check if you are eligible for significant compensation for free at mydieselclaim.com. This podcast is a VoiceWorks Sport production for Brighton and Hove Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.